for their safety as they uh, continue that retreat this weekend. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, we are <coughs> truly thankful for all of the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We're thankful for this congregation, for what it's meant in this community, and we pray that you will continue to bless it in all of our efforts to reach out to others. Father, thank you for being with us. Help us to remain faithful to you. Be with us through this worship service today. We pray that it will be in accordance with your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. First song today will be, uh, If You Keep Your Heart Singing, It's Not in the Book. <clears throat> you will have a heifer here and a boat here to keep your heart singing all the while. You can burn and pray and God is going to take it your heart singing all the while. Oh, 
build our Heavenly Father in prayer. Bow with me, please. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning you've blessed us with. God, we thank you that we get to come here and sing and worship you this morning. God, we lift up this morning the many that are hurting, those that have lost loved ones this week. God, we just ask that you please comfort them as only you can and help us do our part to help those that are in need. And God, we especially want to recognize our and pray for our mothers this morning. We are so thankful for our mothers and the mothers of our children. We're thankful for the way they live their lives and the examples that they set for our children, the hard days that they put in, how they get up so early and they go to bed so late and they spend their entire days doing for others. God, we thank you for their servant hearts and we want to let you know and them know how thankful we are for them this morning and we pray that you continue to bless and strength, strengthen the Christian women that we have here this morning. God, this week we just ask that you please be with us. Please help us say the things we're supposed to say when we need to say them. And please help us do the things we need to do right when we need to do them. And God, know that we love you and we're so sorry when we mess up and fail because we do it so often. We ask that you give us strength this morning and courage to go out and do your will in everything that we do. Please forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're willing and able and would like to, let's stand as we sing this next song. <clears throat>
Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from Isaiah 66, verse 13. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Good morning, everyone. And has already been said a couple of times, happy Mother's Day. I really, I really love that story that Tommy started with today. The power of those three women. And we enjoy the fruit, the blessing, the foresight that they had. And I like the challenge that he laid out there. Now, it doesn't necessarily require three women. I have a whole room full of women. And it isn't only exclusive to women. Men, you are involved too. But let's don't overlook the power that just a few have to affect incredible change and to do good in this world. I don't even know the names of the people but I am thankful for them, aren't you? So today we are especially, as we think about it, grateful for our mothers. Some of us still have the privilege of making contact with our mothers, and others do not. But you hold on to the memory, I hope, of a mother who blessed your life and made it full. And what you're experiencing today, in large part, is most likely due to the influence of a mother or someone who served as a mother figure in your life. Today, I want us to make a connection between what a mother does, her character, and that of the character of God. This text is its a beautiful expression, isn't it? As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. He adds in that text that you'll be comforted in Jerusalem, but the impact of it is no matter where you are, you're going to receive that comfort. So today, that's going to be our task to understand how it is that God provides those things. And we'll see it through the lens today of motherhood. But before we start that, let's pray to God together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful to you for this occasion to be assembled here to participate in this time of worship. We pray, Father, that all that we're doing is acceptable in your sight. And Father, I pray that you'll be with us now as we're entering into this part of our worship, that we'll be able to concentrate upon the, the things that you've written in your word and to make the connection between what you are and what we see expressed in our mothers. We thank you, Father, for the presence that they are in our lives. We're thankful, Father, that they provide us counsel, even in their silence, that they're sympathetic to our needs and conditions, and that in time... They even offer us discipline and direction. I pray, Father, that through all of that, we'll, we'll see you and your impact on us. Please forgive us, Father, when we're not as attentive to these good things that you've put in our lives as we should be, but especially in, in this period of time, help us to focus on, on you and the truths that we can draw from these texts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, God's going to comfort us. God's comforting us through a means that is familiar to us. The kind of comfort and care that we sense in an expression of love from a mother, God says, I am I'm giving to you. God takes upon himself in that care for us, 
a weary and worn soul. He nurtures and He provides for it. He sees to the hopes and the dreams that all of us have our desire to be faithful to Him. He embraces us. He he carries us through our worst moments. It's interesting in Scripture to me that as much as we think of God as God the Father, that the truth is God embodies all characteristics. Certainly He embodies the character, the virtue of a man, but also the graces of a woman. And it's in that sense that God becomes a a refuge for all of us. Unfortunately, too, though, is oftentimes the neglect, maybe, that a mother will feel. Having spent so much time in raising her children and putting them first in her life, now her children are on their own, they're, well, they're carrying on with their own lives. And, you know, their attention is elsewhere. And so much of the care and the comfort and concern that is so beautiful in the expression of motherhood, maybe it's not reciprocated in the latter years of the child. That's kind of true with God, isn't it? God's our refuge and strength. Well, that is, it seems, when we're in most need of it. We get on our own. We get our focus in some other place. And sadly, as many mothers might feel over time, become neglected. God faces the departure of his children, the turning of their hearts away from him, captured by the evil one. We see his children depart from the truth, turn aside to other things. But that doesn't diminish God's continuing care over us. In fact, I I like another thing that Isaiah says, it's over in Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. He begins with a question. Can a woman, a mother, forget her nursing child and not have compassion for the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, he says, as he stretches out his hands and exposes his palms, see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. No matter what it seems, God's concern and his care and his watchfulness over his children does not cease. Whether we reciprocate that love and dedication toward Him or not, God is always there, waiting for that wandering child to return. Today, let's refocus ourselves. Let's think about a mother's love, which will be so apparent to us today as we think about mothers. But let's refocus our attention through that lens to the God who in so many ways embodies the very best characters of our mothers. Let's think first about a mother's presence in our lives. Now, you know, probably, most likely through experience, that mother is the queen of her home. And being the queen of the home, being the being the kind of the hub, especially of of the emotional things that happen in that home, being the queen of that home, we know that we can go to her for our nurturing. We're going to go to her and we're going to find love and care. We're going to find compassion and sympathies. We're going to find our place of comfort in the arms of a loving mother. 
In just those very same kinds of expressions, God is described as being the ultimate expression of those characteristics. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Many a man or woman has been discharged by the world. Oh, originally there was the hopes and dreams. I'm going to make it, you know. I'm going to be a great success. Wealth or fame or some kind of notoriety in this world will be mine. I'm going to make my place, make my mark. But, you know, the world... It can chew up people with that kind of attitude who run right into its teeth and so they're spit out as refuse. What do we do now? Again, many a man or woman has experienced that. And where do they go? Well, friends are gone. Wealth has been expended. All of the dreams that we sat out with seem to have been thwarted. Maybe even in the grip of sin and facing its terrible consequences. Many times, weary like that, we hit the reset button. We go back home. We want to enjoy again the thing that motivated us in the beginning, the love of especially the love of a mother. God says, I embody those things. You've been chewed up by the world. You've lost the very things that you had exchanged for God as your comfort. Now that those things are expended, where do you go? God says, I still am your comfort. I am the Father of mercies. I'm the God of all that comfort. God calls us back to His home, back to His care and His love and His watchfulness, back into His presence. Not only do we think of a mother's presence, but oftentimes we think of her counsel, right? Probably when you think of your mother, you think of the the sayings that come from a childhood, the kind of sayings that are now a guide in your life, and you hold those dear. Maybe you're going through an experience, and something that mother said just kind of, you know, pops up in your mind. Mother is our first teacher. She's the one from whom we learn the truths about God, about what life is like, and how to live it. We learn from her what's expected of us, how to behave ourselves. So you become equipped by her instruction, and you go out. And many of us return, right? We go back to visit mom, and it it just kind of seems like once we've been instructed in the elementary things, We get out on our own, and you know how it is. We experience a lot. We're gaining knowledge by our experiences. We're becoming wise. We're becoming people of stature and importance. (laughs) But when you go home, you're still the child. You're still that child who made that particular mistake that your mother probably always, always brings up. All those memories of childhood come rushing in. And now, it isn't isn't the experience apart from home. It isn't the acclaim or or the statue that I've achieved. I'm a child again. And I can't help but think that God sees us that way too. As much as we desire to make something of ourselves, what God sees 
the way he expresses himself toward us, is not as an equal or as one who has achieved and and he has to up his game. God always speaks to us as needy children. John chapter 6 is, I don't know, one of those explosive kind of chapters. And I, I don't mean necessarily that it's filled with all the action. What I'm talking about is all the experiences that are found there just just really focus intently upon who Jesus is as the Son of God. And some of the greatest testaments to His place as the Son of God are given. In fact, two of the more outstanding signs of Jesus are kept in that chapter. The first 15 verses describe for us the most famous of His signs, and that is of the feeding of the 5,000. In verses 16 to 21 of that text, we have Jesus walking on the water and people were seeing those things and they were coming to believe, yeah, there is something to this. He must be special. Some folks had already made the determination and the confession that Jesus was the Son of God. And Jesus goes so far in verse 35 as to say, listen, people, I am the bread of life. But then he took it to another level. And in verse 56, he said, look, if you want to abide in me and I in you. In other words, if if you're really going to act on this idea that you now have that I'm the son of God, if you're going to take hold to the statement that I am, and in this particular instance that I am the bread of life, then here's what I require of you. In order for us to abide with each other, then you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And those people were offended. It's like, wait, what? It was at that point that those multitudes, those crowds that were following after Jesus, they they start to dissipate. People start taking up stones now and wanting to crucify, put him to death, you know, take his life. But in that series of ideas, this this heightened emotional desire to see Jesus and now being challenged with what he might call for me to do and this real commitment to him, Jesus then turns to his 12 who've been privy to all these things that have been happening. They've been soaking this all in and no doubt they have their own questions about what he's just said. In verse 67 and 68, he turns to them and he asks, do you also want to go away? It was Simon Peter who answered this way, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've seen the miracles. We've heard the grand teachings. We know what it is to be a member of the kingdom of God. We know the expectation of God. We'll even go with you so far as to claim a need to partake of your flesh and blood. And Lord, as heavy as these things are, and as difficult, apparently, as they are for the masses to follow and to accept, listen, we've already signed on. We believe that you are the Son of God. And... Regardless of how difficult and how challenging this counsel is that we are to accept, there isn't anywhere else that we could go now. A mother's counsel requires our just acceptance of her worldview as a child. And so too of that. What of our experience? Maybe our experiences in this life have faltered because they were based on a lie to begin with as we embarked upon our own desires. When all of that falters and falls apart, to whom shall we go? We go back to the place of our original counsel, the one who provides only the truth. We go back to God, 
regardless of the challenge and the difficulties that are inherent following after him. And also when I think about a mother, I think about, I'm just going to call it a mother's silence. A mother's silence. Okay, so some things happened. And I don't know, maybe, I don't, you, you were doing something you were told not to do, you skinned your knee up, you come running in the house. Now your knee's bleeding, your mother doesn't stop you at the door and say, okay, now, before I take care of this, I want to know exactly what happened. And listen, child, you can stand there and bleed to death if you want to, but I want to know what happened. My mother never treated me that way. If she saw me wounded, the first question wasn't what happened or what did you do or why didn't you listen to me? What she did was went into action. I I want to help you. I want to care for you. My little brother Kevin was so deep into this very thought that when he had a belly ache, he asked my mother to put a Band-Aid on it, thinking that that would help. Mother just had a desire to help fix What was the problem? The questions about how this happened might come later. God's like that too. Our desire to be in fellowship with God is not riddled with a bunch of questions of why this and why that. It comes as a result of reasoning with God in the moment itself. Where are you right now? Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 is a great expression of that. Come now, God says, and let us reason together. Though your sins may be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let's talk about this. Let's reason together. Let's come to a solution. Or... I think about, think about the debates that we might sometimes have with God. What I'm going to describe for you was actually an outward kind of examination. It's found in Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 10 to 14. It's Jesus' description of what happens when a Pharisee and a tax collector come to the temple to pray. But What is depicted there is oftentimes the struggle that we have. You know, am I in kind of the work of trying to prove to God my worth? Am I trying to show Him how great a servant I am to the hiding away of the faults that I have? You know, just kind of act before God as though I am perfect and you are lucky to have me. Or do I in the moment accept the mistakes and the faults and the sins that I have that are so a part of what I've become and just lay them down and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in a week, give alms of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off with not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, speaking of the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For he who humbles himself will be exalted, but he who humbles himself will be abased, will be brought down low. Well, there we are. The question is, which one of those am I? I come to God. But what is the testament that I make of myself? You know, look at me, look at me. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. Lucky to have me. Or do I recognize before God in this moment the seriousness of my condition? 
We throw off the fake facade that we have created, the image that we want people to think about us, and we come honestly before God. And it isn't like, I'll check you at the door, hold on there a second, you're a part of this group or that group, and you're not acceptable. That isn't the concept here. Come and let's reason together. Are you in sin? There's a remedy for your sin. That sin can be washed away, white as snow. You and I would know the process to be through obedience to the gospel, having our sins washed away by the ultimate sacrifice of a God who, despite what our sin is, and whether one or the other of us would consider one sin greater than the other, listen, it doesn't matter whether I have told a lie or I've committed a murder. Sin separates me from God, and all of us are in need of that salvation. I think it is a beautiful expression of God that instead of meeting us and checking us at the door, He is there ready to wash those sins away in our obedience. Just as the silence of a mother who rushes to the aid of her child, so too God's compassion for sinners to see that their sins, that problem, is dealt with and they are washed away. I also think about a mother's sympathy. Okay, so mother is probably your first confidant. I know that was true in the lives of our children. The children rarely came to share anything with me that was a pri of a private nature to them. But I'm telling you, even the slightest little thing, they would run to their mother and share with her. Mother was to be the keeper of secrets. The reason is because there wasn't any judgment there. Tell me your heart. How can I help? That's why I think children seek the approval of their mother. You know, I've shared this with you, and now I've done this. What do you think? What does that show you about me? Go into a home. You'll see an art gallery in the kitchen. A refrigerator covered with pictures. Looking for acceptance. I want to please you. They get a little bit older and maybe they play sports or they're involved in in something in which they have to practice or work very hard, and they turn, maybe on the court or the field, they're looking to the stands. Is mother watching? You know, is she happy with me? Is she pleased? Untold hundreds of letters are written from prisons to mothers. I'm sorry I disappointed you. I'm sorry I gave myself to this. I'm going to change. All in the desire to have mother's approval again to receive her sympathy. And it, it is the sympathy and the compassion, I think. Please, please care for me. Well, there's a terrific expression of that in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 35. You probably know that one by heart. Jesus has already been in like a debate with Martha about His power and the resurrection and he just makes the declaration, look, I, I, I'm the resurrection and the life. You believe that? And, well, yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> but it wasn't until just the enactment of that truth that she truly grasped it. But just in the quietness, if you can imagine, as Jesus comes face to face, only minutes removed from the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus is in the midst of sorrow and just a natural response is His compassion and His sympathy. So in that text where all of this grief is swirling about with hope just minutes removed, it says that Jesus wept. Jesus cared, even knowing that this situation would be resolved momentarily. 
Or maybe you think of the expression from Luke 23 and verse 37. As Jesus looks over Jerusalem knowing that shortly Jerusalem would be destroyed. And all the hopes and the dreams that God invested in the Christ and the preaching of the gospel that would come, that so many of those Jews who found their residence there would reject Him. In fact, that rejection begins as they crucify Him on their crosses. And so, here is Jesus looking over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! Who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her? How often... Would I have taken her children like a hen takes her chicks under her wings, but you would not. How desirous God is to express His care and His love and His sympathies toward us. If only we would turn our hearts as a child turns their heart to their mother so we can receive that same sympathy and compassion from God. And then I think about a mother's discipline. Now, you might be thinking as typically I think when I hear the word discipline, usually when I think of discipline, I think, yeah, I know technically it's instruction, but oftentimes it's kind of the idea of instruction with, you know, some motivation, maybe maybe a little punishment thrown in there. That's just what comes to my mind. But the Bible expresses it a little bit differently. For instance, if you go to the Old Testament, you'll see in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 5, almost word for word, not exactly, but certainly the same idea expressed as you find in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. And that idea is that God chastens His sons. In other words, he doesn't take a child and just totally protect them, put a, put a hedge around them so that nothing can happen. God chastens them. He, he, he causes them to experience difficulties for their own good. He disciplines, in other words, his children. When I was growing up, maybe you heard this expression, wait till your father gets home. And I know I've told you this before, It seemed like I heard that phrase every day. And then dad would come home, and almost always it was some kind of corporal punishment. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. So I received lots and lots of corporal punishment. I'm going to tell you today that when my mother said that, it wasn't the worst thing that she could say. Because I, sad, sad to say, I was accustomed to that. The thing that was worse than hearing, wait till your father gets home, was that actually she was going to do something right now. In other words, the offense in her mind was so great that there wasn't a reason to wait until father came home. She needed to deal with it right now. The reason I say that it was worse is because it was actually the feeling of disappointment. I mean, I have let you down. Now remember, mother is the one that we want to approve of us. And so now I've done something that's so bad in your mind that I've actually disappointed you. You feel like you have to do something. Look, I know that there's a whole list of texts of Scripture that express disappointment. But I'll tell you, I don't know of any that better illustrates what I'm trying to describe for you here as does Luke chapter 22 and verses 61 and 62. In that text prior to it, Jesus has already denied the Lord three times and the rooster has crowed. 
Verse 61 says, Then the Lord looked at Peter. Can you imagine how Peter felt right there, looking eye to eye with the Lord, having denied him three times? Well, actually, you don't have to wonder how he felt. Verse 61 tells us how he felt. As soon as he made eye contact with the Lord, he remembered. He remembered that the Lord had said that before the rooster crowed, he would deny him three times. You remember how just so vehemently he refused to believe that that could be possible. I'll die for you before any such a thing as that ever happens. But there he was, and looking into the eyes of the Lord. That's the disappointment I'm talking about. What did he do then? Verse 62 says that he went out and wept bitterly. You think that's happened any more since then? Oh, I don't mean literally looking into the physical eyes of Jesus in that time. I'm talking about the effect of it. For instance, of, of having committed oneself to serve the Lord. You know, Lord, I am going to take advantage of the blood that you shed on Calvary. You died on the cross. You went through terrible suffering and anguish, even the separation from your Father for a time, in order to save me from my sins. And boy, when I came up out of that water, I rejoiced because my sins were washed away. And I on that day made a commitment to serve you faithfully. Have you ever had the experience where you diverted from that? You were unfaithful in some way. You were no longer committed as you once were committed. You have failed to uphold the promise that you made on that day when the Lord washed your sins away. And now it's as though you are looking in the eyes of Jesus. And he doesn't even have to say a word because you remember the commitment that you made. What do we do? Go away and just weep bitterly? That's a sign of repentance. But you know, the Lord doesn't leave us hanging because what did he say he would be? He said he would be our comfort. He said that He would comfort us like a mother comforts us. He doesn't leave us in our sin or or lying in the puddle of our tears for our shame. If I'm a child of God, I can confess that transgression, repenting of it, and he He will wash it away with that continual flood of blood that follows after Him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Or if I've come to my senses in my sin, apart from having obeyed the gospel, then today you can enjoy the washing away of your sins. But, but it's all in the, same, in the, all in the same, same mindset that God's desire is to save you. So whether it is you're a child of God and you've disappointed Him, or you're a person who is yearning to know the Lord today, believing that Jesus is the Son of God and confessing your faith that He is the Son of God, Repenting of your sins, you can be buried in this self-same water, have your sins washed away, rise up in newness of life. You can have the approval of God and the forgiveness of sins. And then, in His presence, you can enjoy His counsel and His silence and His sympathy and yes, even His discipline. Is there anyone who needs God's comfort today? Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing?
careless
going to sing a song and have prepared minds for the Lord's Supper this morning on the cross of Calvary. On the cross of Calvary. If you would, please raise your hand, and the ushers will assist you with the Lord's emblems here for the Lord's Supper. As I was uh, studying Ken's lesson and uh, about Mother's Day and about the first uh, part of his lessons about a mother's presence, I thought about uh, his mother Mary and If you would, please turn with me in John chapter 19, beginning in verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mothers, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took unto her his own home. In Luke's account of the Last Supper, uh, this is found in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. 
This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for you. My spouse will give thanks for the bread. Our most gracious and loving Father, we bow before thee, thanking thee, Father, for loving us enough to give your only begotten Son to die upon the cross for the remission of sin. Father, we pray that as we take of this bread which symbolizes your Son's body, that we will do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now let us give thanks for the cup. Our loving and kind Father, we're so thankful once again for your son, for all the many spiritual blessings. Thankful for his birth, for his life, his death and resurrection. Father, we remember the shed blood upon the cross. We pray, Father, that as we now partake of this cup, that we do so in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As we continue uh, to give uh, for all the many things here at the church uh, to uh, forward God's uh, word, we just now give thanks for all that we have. Father in heaven, we once again just approach your throne, Father, with just such humble hearts, thanking thee, Father, for all the many blessings of life, for all the material blessings that you continue to bestow upon us. We pray, Father, that we'll be cheerful in our giving and so thankful for all that you do for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I guess we can say it was good for us to be here today, amen? Just a few announcements and then we'll be dismissed. Uh, we have sympathies extended to uh, Brother Bobby Brazel and the death of his brother Freddie Bar Brazel of Boonville this week. Also, sympathy is extended to Abby George and the death of her uncle Billy Martin, who is also of Boonville. And yesterday we... Uh, gathered together with the family of Chuck Bonham and uh, sympathy is extended to that family in the death of his wife and mother. Uh, I'm thinking Joyce, but I'm, it's just not Sandy Bonham. Um, today we also have a devotional at Landmark. Uh, it's today at four o'clock. Golden Super, go, not Super, Supper, Golden Circle Group, uh, uh, the luncheon is still t uh, Tuesday, and uh, that will be at uh, 11.30 in the Annex. Uh, we have a gospel meeting in the area at Oak Ridge. Uh, starts today through Wednesday with uh, Brother Ben Flat speaking at 7 o'clock each evening. Uh, the church here will be taking a bus uh, Tuesday night, and we'll leave from uh, the Annex at 6.30. Uh, this is the season of seniors, so we also have uh, next Sunday, uh, all the graduates need to meet in the little chapel uh, 15 minutes early, 9.15, uh, with their attire. We also have the senior tables to be set up in the annex. And in the annex later that day, we will have the ice cream social uh, honoring our graduates. Um, this will be hosted by SALT team number two. Uh, but we're asking everybody else to bring uh, ice cream and or cookies. So there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, and as usual, on Thursdays, the uh, food pantry and clothes pantry will be open. This week's uh, food item is canned fruit. Um, and we also rejoice. We have a new brother in Christ, Coley Floyd, put on Christ this uh, just yesterday. So... That's, a, I know, a great gift for the mother there, Natasha. So um, with that, uh, we also have uh, our next week, our next quarter of 
uh, classrooms starting tonight. Uh, so please make uh, plans to attend there. Uh, just to let y'all know, I will not be here tonight. I'll be going home uh, to visit my mom. So, um, so uh, just remember, uh, whatever we do, if you can attend tonight, uh, continue making your mom proud and uh, showing up for services. So with that being said, uh, we'll uh, stand and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this sunny, bright, unclouded day that we can come together and learn uh, more about your word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Ken reminding us about our mothers and the, the providence that they have for us. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, giving us someone like a mom to take care of us, nurture us, and uh, we ask that we will continue their legacies that they have taught us. And more importantly, Father, we continue holding up the banner that we uh, have of the cross and taking your message to other people so that others may come to know your comfort, may be able to know your hope and know your salvation. Heavenly Father, go with us as we go out into the world. Let us be good soldiers for you. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen.